Auburn's Weagle 91.1 FM presents The Scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Follow them on Twitter at Jacob Hellman AU and at Bay underscore Marks. Now let's take a look at The Scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the studio as always, Bay Marks alongside Jacob Hillman. Jacob, the last day of March, and we're rounding it up with the scoreboard. This is March for just a few more hours, and then it's April, but we sleep in May, and the Final Four is on the horizon. That's what we're leading off with, but... It's, it, it's a beautiful day. After a stormy night, I hope everyone stayed safe throughout those storms. Yeah, and in honor of March ending, I decided to wear, you know, my uh, uh, SEC Champions shirt that says, finally, says came, the finally in. came in. Yeah. I mean, took forever to get here, but uh, I guess there was high demand for that shirt <laughs> for a good reason. But um, action-packed show, as always today. We're going to talk about some Final Four stuff, get into Auburn baseball and Auburn softball as they are fully into SEC play. Um, both teams playing well right now. We're also going to talk some NFL with, uh, of course, Tom Brady coming back, which I haven't really talked about, um, some off-season moves from players and coaches, uh, and then we'll round up the show today, talk about the NBA playoff race. Uh, the Lakers are out of the playoff picture right now. The Celtics have been white hot lately, uh, claiming the number one seed for a minute uh, in the East. So we're going to get to all that uh, and more today. If you want to call in and be a part of those conversations, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345 is the number two dial. Let's go ahead and get into it, Jacob. The final four live from New Orleans, Louisiana in the Caesars Superdome. Only four remain. One seed Kansas taking on Villanova and two seed Duke facing off against their arch rival, North Carolina, and what could be Coach K's last game um, that and we'll go ahead and we'll start with that matchup because that's a good place to start. Right. Um, in the Elite Eight, North Carolina facing St. Peter's, who, if you have just been absolutely living under a rock, <laughs> uh, was a 15 seed that made it all the way to the Elite Eight and ran into a uh, storming North Carolina team that just has turned it around with Hubert Davis. Well, also, I think it was just St. Peter's running out of gas. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the magic runs, they, 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 miss, they run out of gas, they miss so many layups that it's just. They, they kind of knew. And also the way that weekend had gone, that, that whole weekend was just trash games. Yeah. It, the Elite Eight, I should specify. Sweet 16 yeah. had some Sweet decent games. Sweet 16 game. was some good games, I but will say. Every, all four Elite Eight games was just boring blowouts. Yeah. But, I mean, either way, winner of that game was going to go on and face Duke. Um, so it was either going to be the first. This is the first time North Carolina and Duke have ever met. Is it in a Final Four or tournament, tournament. history? Okay. So NCAA tournament. Tournament history. Um, or it would have been a 15 seed making the first – Final Four ever. I don't um, think 15 seed had made it Elite Eight yet. No, they had not. So, so even more history for the Peacocks. Uh, Peacocks making a lot of history this year. See where Shaheen Holloway got introduced at Seton he Hall. He did, and at, at first I was I, I did not know he played at Seton Hall. Um, but in my mind, I mean, this has no effect on the game. Well, it might. Could you, you know, kind of use that as a scapegoat as to why they lost? As he wasn't focused on the game. I won't say it's why they lost because I thought North Carolina played really well. I mean, Baycott was unstoppable. But I can't imagine it wasn't in his mind during that weekend because yeah. it was all talked about th- after they won the round of 32 game. That's all it was I mean, talked about was Seton Hall going after him. Does it not make sense also after they won the Sweet 16 game against Purdue? Like the way he was celebrating and he was saying people doubted us, like 
it, it almost gave off a sense of like it was kind of like after, like what they do you do done. after that game? Yeah, yeah they were done. so. I don't know. I'm not saying that's why they lost. Well, but, um, and that's part of it is when you, when truly you are doubted like that because you know you saw what Paulo said after the round of 32. He's like, no, they said we wouldn't make it out of the first weekend, and then someone was like, well, 75 percent of brackets heavy in the yeah, final yeah, four. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it that that's a little bit different. They actually were doubted, and it's emotional. So I, I wouldn't say so, but I do would say that that's definitely was in the in his mind throughout that weekend. So is that he gets to go to his alma mater and yeah do that but now we do get the matchup of all final four matchups um this might be the blue bloodiest final four since i'd say 2015 when you had wisconsin duke michigan state um i forgot who the other fourth team was but point being uh four blue bloods in this final four and kicking it off with duke north carolina what could be coach k's last ever game it is the 100th meeting um he has had all time against north carolina he went he uh, leads that series 50 wins to 49 losses. Um, I guess I'll straight up ask the question, does Duke move on, or does North Carolina's magical run of the tournament move on? This is really tough for me to predict, because what I've been talking about is how in all of Coach K's last, they've been blowouts against Duke. His last North Carolina game, he got blown out. The last ACC championship, he got blown out. And I thought, is he going to get to the national championship and get blown out? Well, now his last North Carolina game is in the final four. So he can't he can't have a last national championship loss and a last North Carolina loss. It's one or the other. And I really think that this North Carolina team is built for this. They are built for this and they got hot at the right time. I mean, Baycott's unreal right now. I, I think that he is one of the top he's one of those players that, you know, he might not be this insane NBA player, but he's so good in college. It's kind of like Oscar Sheway. Sheway's not going to be a high draft pick. But well, he's the national player of the year for a reason. And and he also, keep in mind, has been struggling with back issues throughout the tournament. True. And True. he's still been playing well. Well, and and here's what I'll, and another thing about North Carolina, they don't have depth at all. They they rotate six guys. Yeah. And that's it. Um, I still like, I, I have to pick Duke. I just don't think that, I don't think the magic continues for North Carolina. I, I think that with so much, in this monumental of a game, I mean, this is, Going to be the biggest game in college basketball history? It's up there, if not. I mean, yeah, I would say it is. With the, just the history, I mean, you saw the Coach K versus UNC. This is the 100th matchup between the two teams, and I think Duke is 50 and 49 against them, and the score is like within yeah. a dozen points. And the only I would say the only way this gets more historic is if Roy Williams was coaching one True. more year, and this was his last year. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Could you imagine? The tickets for that game would be... Right now, you can get in for like two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Not bad. But if it Roy Williams was coaching this game and it was his last year, cheapest might be like four figures. Yeah, at least. Um, yeah. In my perspective, if if you go back and remember when we broke down each region a few weeks ago when March Madness was beginning, um, I brought up the concern about Duke was they had just lost to North Carolina their last home game of the year. It was Coach K's last home game against North Carolina in the last game at Cameron Indoor. And I brought up the concern of, is this tournament going to be too Coach K-centric? Um, is that what's going to derail them? And it really seems like right now that's the momentum that's it, carrying yeah, them. It has been too Coach K-centric, but it hasn't hurt them Yeah. So, all. And besides Virginia Tech, the last team they lost to before Virginia Tech was North Carolina in that game. Um, and, and for me, what it really comes down to, like you mentioned, Jacob, was the depth. 
If you've watched Duke within the first few rounds, they've rotated a lot of guys. You obviously have uh, Bancaro, who's going to be a top three pick, if not top number one overall pick. Um, and then when you watch the North Carolina games, you saw Caleb Love, I believe it was their Sweet 16 game against UCLA. He was just like unconscious. Yeah. I mean, he was hitting everything. So it's going to come down to the guard play for me with uh, Wendell Moore, Caleb Love, and all of those guys. Um, really, that's going to set it apart because down low, you know what you're going to get with Baycott. Of course. He's going to stay hot. Um, and, you know, Bancaro's a guy that can play on the perimeter, but it's also going to get inside and bang around some bodies, like you mentioned, can put the ball on the floor very well. So I like Duke in this game. I, I My only concern, again, is, is all of the headlines surrounding the game. But, again, that hasn't been a problem up until now throughout the tournament. It was a problem in Cam- Cameron Indoor against this North Carolina team. Um, but before we move on to the next game, I, I just wanted to say credit to Hubert Davis in his first year oh, as yeah. a head coach. I mean, where they were halfway through the season compared to now and getting hot at the right time. Maybe we underestimated the ACC. Maybe yeah. they just ate each other alive. I don't know. I just It was kind of weird because you had Miami make a deep run. You had North Carolina do what they're doing right now, and I don't know. I just I, I just really like what North Carolina has done, and I think that it's going to carry into the future as well, and yeah, be a be a big deal. And they're going to get they're going to get some recruits now. Well, and after Auburn played Syracuse too, I mean, from an Auburn Auburn fans' perspective, um, well, I think we kind of assumed that as well True. was it was a down year, but you you could be right. Um, but I think we both have Duke in this game. And one more thing I'll say about Carolina is that if Brady Manick decides he wants to drop 20 points, I would take North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I think that Manick is one of those guys that when he's on, that whole team is just going off. He's been a valuable addition to them from Oklahoma. Yes, he has. Um, I know he was a transfer. Not a lot of people thought too much of him, but I don't think there's a single person in that athletic department right now that would tell you otherwise. Yeah, like I said, if he scores 20 points, Carolina's winning this game. The other Final Four matchup in this year's New Orleans Final Four. This game actually happens prior to the Duke-North Carolina game, which will probably get a lot of views. Also, side note, it's not on CBS. Yeah, it's on CBS. It's very weird. NCAA. Very weird. Yep. (laughs) Kansas, the only one seed remaining hosting Villanova, a 1-2 matchup at 5.09 p.m. on TBS. Villanova and Jay Wright... um, a team coming into this year, we knew we'd get a lot out of returning guard Colin Gillespie. Um, we knew that that was a guard who had a lot of experience and was going to bring a lot of talent back to this team for this year. Um, but they lose their second-highest scorer, Justin Moore, to a torn Achilles like the Kevin Durant injury last round. It hurts a lot because before the weekend, I said, all right, Nova is going to win the ship. I was like... It, I was like, this is just a perfect storm for Villanova just to get another national championship because no one's really talking about him. No one's talking about him because you have this possibility of this blue blood Final Four, and of course, them included, but obviously some people are, no, they're not a blue blood, which, sure, they're a new blood. That's what I'll call them. They're a new blood. I would consider them, a, yeah. And that's the thing is that, that that's just a – if you ask a Duke or a Kentucky fan – no, but. Us, yeah. Yeah. I think that the loss of Justin Moore is just going to be too much to overcome. Yeah, I agree. And and that's something, I mean, but hey, some teams can overcome that. Like, we Auburn did with Chumo yeah, exactly. Um Which, they, speaking of, three-year anniversary. Three-year three anniversary today, the, yeah. Uh, to the four, four. That That's a – might be my favorite day of my life, like, ever. Um, 
But, yeah, like you said, there's teams that have ever come that in the past. Auburn did that against Kentucky, who was a two-seed that year, um, to advance to the Final Four. Should have won in the Final Four. Um, I, there is no doubt in my mind that Jay Wright and this Wildcat team are still capable. But before that injury, if you would asked me who would have won this game, I'd honestly say it might be a toss-up. But that injury, for me, kind of wants me to put all my chips in on Kansas. Um, not only is does this Final Four have four of the best and – Blue Blood programs of all time. It's got three of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, And Hubert Davis could be one of those one day. But my point being, I think Bill Self and Jay Wright, even with that injury to Justin Moore, they're just going to be going, I mean, back and forth at each other throughout this whole game. And I think that what gives Villanova hope is that, in my opinion, Jay Wright is the best coach in college basketball right now. I, I think he's better than Coach K. I think that he's better than Bill Self. And I think that this is something where he's the guy that can overcome the loss of Justin Moore. Do I think, like, they will? No. But if if there's any team I'm going to pick to overcome that injury, it is Villanova because of the way they shoot. Next man up, who knows? Who knows who it'll be and who knows who it can be that that, that fires off some threes and, and keeps them in it throughout the game. Uh, Kansas averaging nearly 80 points a game. Obviously, for the Wildcats, that's going to be an emphasis to slow them down. Um, but I have Kansas. There's not really much to it. I, I know everybody points to that one Kentucky game this year, but outside of that, the, in the realm of what they've done this year, this is one of the more consistent teams in college basketball. Um, and we saw it in March, and we saw it in the Big 12 tournament. I like them in this game. I, I really do. I don't see how I can that, – and that's the thing. I want to pick Nova because, like I said, before the weekend, I was like, I think Nova will win it. I want Nova to win it. But when he goes down with that torn Achilles, it's just that that for me that was the deciding it's, it's, factor. It changes it. It changes it. If, if Justin Moore's in this game, I'm picking Villanova to win this game and the national championship. So speaking of which, we both have Kansas, mm-hmm. and it sounds like we both have Duke. Give me a winner, Kansas Monday night. Kansas. Oh, she's too much. Oh, she's too much. I'm going with Duke. I with that momentum that may, they have. Maybe I just don't want Coach K to win the last one. Wow. Maybe I just don't want him. Maybe he'll get blown out. Who knows. The final four in NOLA with four blue bloods. Do not miss it this weekend. On the other side of this break, don't miss our discussion of Auburn baseball and Auburn softball live on the scoreboard, WEGO. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're streaming on WeagleFM.com. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks. As we just wrapped up our final four preview, now we're going to preview Auburn baseball and Auburn softball's upcoming series. Two big ones against ranked teams. Baseball on the road at LSU. Softball hosting number seven, Florida. Now, first of all, gymnastics got a big, not a win, but... They advanced to the Sweet 16 earlier today in the NCAA Regional, hosted here in Neville Arena. It was a fun atmosphere, even for a Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock. It wasn't as packed as it usually is, but... I'm just glad that my parking zone outside the arena opened up at 1 o'clock, because I had class at 2. Yeah, that... It still was not easy to find a spot, but once one opened up, I was... I was zooming in. There you go. Well, they will be competing on Saturday evening at 5 o'clock in Neville Arena, against Kentucky, and then whoever advances out of the night session tonight. Florida's in it. I'm not sure who else is, but uh, it's going to be tough to advance to the Elite Eight. So good luck to gymnastics as we move into our baseball and softball discussion. Let's lead off with baseball tonight. In about 
an hour and let's see, forty nah, thirty or wait, forty three minutes. God, I'm get bad at math. There you go. Uh, they will be first pitch uh, between Auburn and LSU. Hayden Mullins on the mound. Thankfully, after last week, he took a line drive off the head, or I guess maybe off the cheek. Uh, he's all right though, yeah. and will be pitching tonight against Blake Money. What a name! What a name that Very is cool for name. for LSU's starting pitcher tonight. Uh, this is a big series for Auburn because it doesn't get any easier from here on out. No, you host Vanderbilt next week. You go to Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not been that great this year, but playing at the Dew is never easy. Yeah. So this series, I would say, kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. I agree. Um, the, the big things are, A, uh, that was Auburn's first series win at A&M since 2013, so nine years. Um, and while Auburn is only 75 and 109 at LSU all time and haven't won a series there in 11 years, <laughs> Auburn is 6-2 and two away from uh, Plainsman Park this year. So could be good news. Auburn has won three straight road series dating back yeah. to last year. Yeah, um, that's a big thing. So I don't think the Tigers are scared of playing away from home. If you watch the series in uh, College Station this past weekend, I mean, all, not just one or two games. Every game in that series, all three games, it was just it came down to every at bat and every inning. It was just a constant, just comp, like the guys were just competing at such a high level on both teams. And I think a big thing was let's look at the Sunday game, that thirteen to nine game. Yeah. Every time A and M scored, Auburn answered. They did. And 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 that's and that's the point I'm making is Auburn's not scared to to play in a competitive game against a good opponent. This LSU team, um, after losing a home series to Texas A and M, they they went one and two at home against A and M uh, two weekends ago. Excuse me. Uh, last weekend, go to Florida in Gainesville and win the series there um, against a traditional powerhouse team. So. This is going to be an interesting series against the Bayou Bengals. That's college say. baseball for you, though. In the SEC, it is. It, it really um, is. It, 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 we said it before the season. It's a it's a league that'll eat eat each other up. But for me, the biggest thing is is letting the bat stay hot um, while also finding that pitching. And I think Hayden's a good guy to start the rotation out with. Well, he pitched very well in game one the other night. And I was thinking he had five strikeouts through three and the third, or maybe two thirds, uh, before he was taken out by the line drive, and I think that it's something that he found a groove, and it's really unfortunate that he wasn't able to finish that outing out because he was going to go another inning or two at least. Yeah. And like you said, I think that they like where they're putting him, and it's unfortunate because you don't have Joseph Gonzalez back to full strength yet. He pitched an inning or two on on a Tuesday night against, against Jacksonville State in the loss, but I don't know if he's going to be ready for Saturday. So you move Trace Bright up, which – he was moved up last week as well to Saturday because of Gonzalez's injury, and they what they really I, it seems like what we're gonna see is potentially a rotation of Gonzalez or Mullins on Friday, and then Bright's gonna be on Sunday. They love Bright on Sunday, so it's just a matter of figuring out if you want Hayden or Gonzalez on Friday, and it's not a matter of who's better because it's more of the matchups and what you want to show the other team, the opponent. I think I don't think it'd be a bad idea to go righty lefty righty, and also just Hayden just being a completely different uh, delivery style. Dif- it's completely different because Gonzalez and Bright are both lanky, tall, powerful right-handed pitchers, and Hayden's a stockier uh, left-handed sidewind—not really sidewind, but the delivery's different. I will say 
one guy I would not mind seeing starting game three on Saturday would be Mason Barnett. Mm-hmm. Um, he pitched well in College Station, um, gave me enough to, to consider him for a, a game three start. But again, it's got to come down to solidifying that rotation. And um, for me, the offense is not a concern, obviously. Auburn is one of the better teams in the league in offense. Um, they, and they and one thing I'd like to say, too, is they've also won 10 games this year in which they trailed. So if Auburn gets down in the box early in a hostile baseball baseball environment, I don't think Butch Thompson's squad is going to be scared to fight back in that game. Not at all. And that's the thing is the comebacks they made last weekend were, re- were really impressive. Now, of course, they blew that lead on Saturday. Or, yeah, Saturday. Friday, though, Friday and, Friday and Sunday were just just absolute battles. Dude, can we, battles also, back. can we also talk about Noah's bat Friday night? Like, I like that I understand. I understand, but like, come on. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's a flawed system. That that's that's the issue. The only thing I could think of is if a the sticker had peeled off or yeah, if it, that, I think it fell off. Something I think it fell off yeah. as he walked up to the plate or something like that. Yeah. Because well, I don't know. It's a flawed system. It's awful. Well, my point being, Auburn could have won that game in nine right then. Yeah, exactly. Right then, which thankfully it didn't cost Auburn a game. So. But no, if it did, no you would, you'd be hearing about it. If, if Auburn hadn't tied it up right before that, yeah, that you'd be hearing about that. Oh, my goodness. I I, we might have had a special edition scoreboard on Monday <laughs> or Saturday, for yeah, that matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. But I think this will be a good series for Auburn. Um, their second straight road series coming off a loss midweek to Jacksonville State, 2-5. to five, Was not a pretty game for the Tigers. The bats cooled off. Do you think Auburn goes in and wins their first series in Baton Rouge in 11 years? It, it, it's tough to say. When you haven't won four straight road series since 1997-98, you think, hey, maybe you're due because think about it this way. What was broken back in the fall for Auburn football? That was a 22-year uh, uh, yeah, streak. About the same thing. So double that. Hey, you know what? You we'll never just wait know. until 2033 to win. No, wait, let's, there. Not, let's not do that. <laughs> All right, you know what? I, I like Auburn. They're definitely going to win one this weekend. I'm not confident saying two, but I, I don't know who's starting on Sunday, on, on Saturday. Yeah, so that, that makes tough. a difference. I'll say they win. I'll say they win two out of three. I think Auburn wins two out of three as well. Uh, I'd honestly go as far to say they do the same thing they did at A&M, win, lose, win. Yeah, um, I, I think that's fair. And I think, the I'm again, I sound like a broken record, but the reason they win this series is going to be because of offense. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, just read off some of them stats. Sonny DeShare, he leads the country with a 608 on base percentage. And he's also third in slugging percentage, fourth in the country in average. Oh, yeah. And he has seven home runs, which I believe leads the league. Um, I mean, it, it, for me, it's just going to be I don't think LSU, we saw their offense on display against Florida last weekend. Um, but I think Auburn's is going to be able to edge them out. It's going to be a home series for LSU, of course, so that's going to make it a little bit tougher for Auburn to do so. But Not that that's mattered recently. It hasn't mattered recently. Like I just mentioned earlier, Auburn has has done well on the road, so um, I think we both think they're going to do well. Well, let's return to the Plains for number 17 softball, hosting number 7, Florida. This is, this is another – I would consider this one a monumental series. Uh, I, I think if Auburn's able to get – a series win against Florida, you are looking at a completely different trajectory than what you were looking at before the season. And it's so unfortunate that Auburn lost on Sunday against Kentucky in walk-off fashion. Uh, Yeah, to say the least. Um, Again, for me, that's something that it wasn't a must-win series, but like the way that that series ended, like 
Auburn should have taken two or three from Kentucky. Absolutely. I know the conditions were cold and it was windy, a little wet um, in Kentucky, but I mean that's a series you got to win. Well, and it's not even. And, and the thing is, I don't even think that's any, anything to blame. It's they could they couldn't stop Renee Abernathy. She won uh, SEC Player of the Week, and she was the one that hit the walk off. It, it's just. That one hurt really bad. Uh, but also, I think I think maybe I know what you're going at yeah. here, the five errors. Yep, and that's something that Britt Bowen from the Auburn Sports Network um, on Tiger Talk Thursday night, he was talking to head softball coach Mickey Dean and uh, made a comment about the defense and about cleaning up the defense and whatnot. And Mickey said something to the extent of, uh, defense isn't our problem, it's just he, he kind of veered off towards a different mm-hmm. answer. But – I mean, you can't not look at those five errors glaring you right in the eye. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, it's a problem, but it was a problem that day. I mean, there's no question about the Tigers' offense on the softball on the softball no team doubt. either. I mean, it's and there's no question about pitching. It, it's the exactly. defense. Yeah. I mean, baseball's defense is fine. It, it, it's just softball. Like <laughs> that's the kryptonite right now, and and I don't know like what's gonna well do p- it. Part of it has been, so it started back again in the South Carolina series. There were I think four or five errors on the left side of Diamond again uh, in the first game against South Carolina. You lose that game, you adjust everything. Things go well from there. You win the next two games. You go to Kentucky. You lose Denver Bryant, and then things start to spiral out of control again. So hopefully it's just a little bit of settling in. That needs to happen. Yeah. Sydney Cox is back at second base. Nelly Peralta is at third. Rose Roach is doing her thing at shortstop. If those three can settle in uh, into those positions, Auburn's going to be just fine this weekend and beyond. Yeah. But it's a matter of making sure they don't have those errors. Last night, I believe, was a clean was a clean slate against Alabama State. I'm going to double-check that uh, one error. But it's something that, like I said, it's as simple as, and hey, look, look at that. That error cost them the run. Yeah. It's just it's untimely things. It's frustrating. And no team's going to be perfect, but anybody that has played baseball or softball in their life knows, like, errors can't be just a consistent thing. you got to clean those up. So um, no other test this weekend, in my opinion, than to face the Florida Gators at home, one of the best teams in the SEC. So Yeah, I mean, Tim Walton, 990. I mean, he's going to get 1,000 wins this season, and 251 is 20th season at – or excuse me, his 17th season is 867 and 187, but his career 990 and 251. Like, it's pretty good. I mean, come on, that's crazy. It's a good well, guy leading your program. Well, yeah, it's 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 another top 10 SEC showdown for Auburn softball, looking to snap a five game losing skid to Florida. Yeah. Got swept last time. Yeah, uh, they played Florida. So I think this is I think this this is a series where you have a big chance to win a series and just just change the outlook of this team. Uh, I'm going to say this, too. I do think Auburn softball wins this series, but they do have one game. I think it's game one. I don't think the airs get cleaned up game one, and I think mm-hmm. that costs them. But I think they win games two and three. I think being at home helps, too, because it's not a completely different team on the road, but when you, if you watch this Auburn softball team, they're a different team at home. That's they, true. They, they play a little bit more comfortably, yeah, in my opinion. From that sweep to te- at Texas A&M to uh, cleaning up the airs against South Carolina in games two and three, yeah, it, it, it's clear and obvious that they enjoy being at home and they, they perform much better at home. Also, I'll be on the call tomorrow with J.J. Jackson. Oh, a familiar voice, mm-hmm. so tune so, into that. Yeah. That's going to do it for our Auburn baseball and Auburn softball weekend preview. On the other side of the break, NFL offseason review, kind of. We'll talk about it on the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. 
We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman back on the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. We only get a few more shows to say that, right. sadly. Right. Gonna make the most of the last few shows. Our, our last show will actually be Weagle Day. Weagle Day. That'll be a fun one. It's 51st birthday. We started it last year with uh, 50th anniversary. Did a two-hour so, show that day. Yep, 24-hour stream on Weagle 91.1 FM. So make sure you tune in for all that content. We'll have we'll be posting about it uh, in the coming weeks. Hopefully we can do another two-hour show. That 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 is the goal. If not, we'll still have a heck of a one-hour finale. Or an hour and a half. Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do what we can. Yeah. Um... Now I lost my train of thought. No, I didn't. We're, We're talking about the NFL. Going into the NFL. <laughs> Starting off the second half of the show with the NFL. A huge rule change and a few moves in the offseason. Um, if you want to call in and talk about any of that, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. Uh, and you can talk to us about that. So um, first thing is first, the rule change. Um, the NFL has implemented, and Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, a new overtime rule change um, just for the postseason. Yep. Um, original rulings say if a team scores a touchdown in overtime, uh, or the first team to get the ball, um, if they score a touchdown, overtime is over. Um, they have repealed or had, uh, amended that, correct. I guess, uh, is the correct Modified. terminology. Yeah. Uh, to now, regardless of what happens in the opening possession, um, both teams get the ball and get a chance to score, but that is just for the postseason um, and I think they'll probably, this is probably like a test run, I'd say. Yeah, pretty much. But after what's been happening to. <laughs> Literally that Bills yeah. Chiefs game where they're going back and forth and you well and was, we it, the, was it the divisional round that so many games went to overtime yeah it okay. was and then obviously in the AFC Championship the Bengals and Chiefs went to overtime uh, it's something that it's in the right it's moving in the right direction in my opinion but I still think that there are, there are just ways to make overtime better I, I agree I think this is this is the this is a good first step. Yes. The reason I don't think it gets completely flipped on its head is because I think they might want to explore different options than just going to a completely different format. First, right. Which I can understand. Well, um, when you've done it this certain way for so long. This change is better than no change. I agree. I'll say that. that, that that's a fair fair way to put it. Um, so I'm interested to see how that works out. Hopefully that'll help uh, Josh Allen, who tweeted <laughs> about that, if you remember that. Um, well, it's also Josh Allen, he's, man, he's He's killing it on Twitter. He, he really is. What did he tweet the other day that was really funny? It was, uh, I think Trayvon Diggs tweeted about playing oh, yeah, with Stephon. Yeah. And I think the NFL or ESPN posted, oh, Stephon Diggs to the Cowboys, and he just replied, no. <laughs> I love him. Love Josh Allen. I love him. Him and his bazooka. <laughs> Moving on to other quarterbacking news, the GOAT, Tom Brady, who announced his retirement shortly after this, or, uh, this past winter, I, would, I should say. Um, he's out of retirement, pulling a Brett Favre, and he's going right back to the Bucks. Um, took no time either. Somebody said he should wear 45 like Jordan when he came out of retirement. <laughs> um, don't think 45 would work on a quarterback. But but they're allowed to. They are now. They are the allowed new, to. With the new numbers. Um, but Tom Brady is going back to the Tampa Bay Bucks, looking to run it back at least one more time. Uh, but he will not have Bruce Arians as a head coach. It will be Todd Bowles. I believe he was an assistant on Arians' staff. Yeah, defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator. And um, uh, Arians is going to move into a front office role. Uh, the Bucks are they are very adamant about letting people know that that was not a part of Brady's decision to come back. Um, they they claim that it was not based off of Arians being the head coach and what have you. Um, 
but Arians will not be the head coach Correct. moving forward. Well, Arians today, and they had a press conference today talking about it, and he said that when Brady announced he was coming back, he decided it was time for him to move on. That's yeah. what it was, uh, according to him. Of course, we don't know that for sure, but it, I like the move. I think that you could have gone either way with the offensive or defensive coordinator. You could have gone Byron Leftwich. That'd have been okay. Or he could have gone Todd Bowles. Now, the thing about Todd Bowles is he's been a head coach before. I was about to say, he's got the experience. So, I like that move just a tiny bit better. Even though you almost want to go with the quarterback guy. You want to, Byron Leftwich was a backup to uh, Ben Roethlisberger for a while. He's been around the league. He started, I think, in Jacksonville. Well, I wonder what Brady thinks about it, if I'm being honest. I, I know he probably doesn't. It probably doesn't matter. Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't think he cares. I think uh, as long as he has the, uh, the Jimmys and Joes, he's going to be fine. Well, in other news, uh, well, we'll go ahead and knock Green Bay out of the way before we get to... Well, you know, NFL put out this interesting thread where it's all the offseason news. Okay, let's run through well, it. Let's run through this. Yeah. Uh, starting with Green Bay on March 8th, Rodgers signs his extension with the Packers, and on the same day, Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos. The next day, Carson Wentz traded to the Washington Commanders. On March 10th, Khalil Mack traded to the Chargers. March 12th, Amari Cooper traded to the Browns. On March 13th, what we just talked about, Tom Brady announced his return. On March 14th, J.C. Jackson signs with the Chargers. I'm not sure why that one's in there. Um, March 16th, Chandler Jones signs with the Raiders. Von Miller signs with the Bills. That is a big one. That was big. I like that one. April, or excuse me, March 17th. It's not April 17th yet. Allen Robinson signs with the Rams. Devontae Adams is traded to the Raiders. And March 18th, Juju Smith-Schuster signs with the Chiefs. March 21st, Matt Ryan is traded to the Colts. March 22nd, Zedarius Smith signs with the Vikings. March 23rd, Tyreek Hill trades to the Dolphins. And just today, Bobby Wagner signs with the Los Angeles Rams. Lots. And, oh, and we forgot one big one that wasn't in there. That's probably between today and when. When was it? Oh, no. Did you mention Deshaun? Deshaun Watson, yes, to the Browns. Yeah. I did not mention so that. So that, that was a really big one as well. Yep. Um, so a lot of offseason craziness. Um, I'll start with the Packers just because. Let's do it. Duh. Um, First, getting Aaron Rodgers back. I honestly felt a little bit better about getting him back this year than I did last year, for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we were in a game in the jungle this year, and it was jersey night uh, <laughs> due to trusted sources, and I wore an Aaron Rodgers jersey because my brother was supposed to wear a Devontae jersey. And we were passing out um, – man, what were we – we were passing out something that night, and yeah, regardless. I had three or four people ask me, hey, man, you think, you think A-Rod's coming back? And I was like, I didn't think he'd come back last year. So he's back. Huge for Green Bay. Uh, you would assume signed Devonta Adams to the largest extension for a wide receiver in NFL history. Green Bay can't afford that, and it's kind of time for Green Bay to start moving on and looking to new blood. Yeah, um, aka why he gets traded. I know it was frustrating to hear that at first, but that's why. Um, I hate that. I love Devonta Adams. Of course, he's my all-time favorite Packers receiver. I feel like, um, but him and Derek Carr together from their Fresno State days to now, that's going to be a cool reunion with them too and my thought with the Packers was you're probably not going to keep both of them no you're not and and, and it would have made I'd sense. rather have Aaron Rodgers right. than Devontae Adams and for me it would have made sense like you think oh of course Devontae's going to stay with Aaron Rodgers I don't think that's necessarily the case he knows Aaron Rodgers on his way out clearly like clearly he was borderline retiring this offseason or going to another team so he might as well do it when he can I think he realized you know what we we, we tried our best to win a Super Bowl it is what it is it's gonna. It, I. It would hurt him really badly if the Packers do it this year. But that, that's part of the game. It's part of the business. Uh, but as you said, I think the Packers are in a better position uh, having a Rod back than hoping Jordan Love or someone you get. God, not you Jordan pick Love. up. Not Jordan. Exactly. Love. Yeah. 
at like it was just time. And, and like you said, the biggest thing was you can't keep them both. So um, I, I'm fine with it. I'm gonna miss Devontae like heck, especially if we play them in the like Super Bowl one day. That yeah. would really suck. Because um, the Raiders could make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, well, the trend so far is that they will this upcoming year. Yeah. Place your bets now. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, uh, another guy that you mentioned that I really wanted to talk about was Russell Wilson yep. to Denver. Um, Seattle this past year, even the past few years, since they really have been going to the Super Bowl, um, and on a downward trend. Slowly, yeah. yeah. And this year was kind of a plummet. Um, regardless of having Pete Carroll, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they had Bobby Wagner. I mean, <laughs> all these star guys that they have, and they just they couldn't uh, piece it together the last few seasons. So he's going to the Mile High City. Almost seems like the Legion of Boom was... A little bit more important than we thought. Yeah. I almost feel like if they stuck together a little bit longer, they would have had more success. With that being said, in relation to Russell Wilson, this is big for the Broncos because I like their defense. I don't care for the weapons yet, but that's something they can figure out. They have younger weapons who still need to be developed. Yeah. Jerry Judy, he, he has dropped problems, but like you said, that can be developed. And I really just think that the running situation is almost there. Not quite, though. Yeah. I think John Elway knew, in a sense, if he wasn't going to get Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson might be a guy that he could probably try and go after to somehow acquire. Um, well, the, the Broncos were desperate for a quarterback. They were. Yeah, they really were. Is Drew um, Locke going to be the new Seattle quarterback, or did they sign someone? I don't know. I, I don't think they have signed anybody. I, Drew Locke. They'll probably draft. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Not to draft to do it, though. Every time I hear Drew Locke's name, I think of the video of him singing whatever that song that was on the sidelines. Oh, gosh. And he's in the he's in the press conference room after the game, and somebody's showing him lip syncing, and he goes, "I was spitting though." Yeah, that was, was, was fire. <laughs> um, another, talk, I would talk about the Browns now. Yeah, I was about to say that. In general, they get Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson. Amari Cooper gets sent there. Baker Mayfield still on the team. Yeah, that that's honestly forget Deshaun Watson. That's my biggest question mark is. What do you do with him? Do you get draft picks for him? Do you let them battle it out? Well, that's the issue. I mean, you spent a number one overall pick on Baker Mayfield. Like, I know he gave you like some playoff runs, but like, come on, uh, not really a playoff run. Well, yeah, he got like, you to the yeah. playoffs. Well, they they were zero and sixteen. Yeah, so, true. I mean, um, but my point being, you you spend a number one overall draft pick on a Heisman Trophy winner, and now you're going to get Deshaun Watson, who's carrying a lot of extra baggage. We're not going to get into that, but that's a guy that you supposedly now believe in. So. Do you let them battle it out? Do you look for cash or draft picks or for him or what? I mean, I don't know because, like, like he requested the trade and they said no because I don't think anybody wants him. You look at the Panthers. The Panthers, I hope to God, don't want him. <laughs> I don't think really the Falcons are in position to get him. Just any of these teams that need a quarterback, do you basically do a Deshaun Baker trade? Does he go to Houston? I don't think so. I just – I don't see where he fits. I don't see where any team wants him because he's looked like a little bit of a baby lately. You see what Odell Beckham did as soon as he left the Cleveland. Did you see what he said no, once they not. got Deshaun? He said he wouldn't mind going back to Cleveland. That'd be funny. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I have no idea on earth where he will go. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah, I, I Honestly, like, Atlanta wouldn't be bad. I mean – they did just lose Matt Ryan. Say hard for me to say. I don't but know. Do they draft somebody? I mean, I think they really like Malik Willis. I really do. He's going to be the first quarterback taken this yep. year. Yep, and and that that they fall about where he should go. Yeah. So, I think the Browns will be fine this year. I think that they will be competing for the for the division. I think that division might be like a suit. It might be like the was it the NFC no AFC West, uh, where it's just all right. 
Man, I didn't race. think I didn't even think about that wild card race. Woo, that's gonna be fun next yeah, year. That was a wild, wild card race. And this year's gonna be even crazier. Yeah. I, I, I mean now they got Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and uh like I said, the Browns now with Deshaun Watson. Khalil Mack on the Chargers. A piece that they desperately needed. That's going to be fun. We have a lot of off-season craziness that we weren't able to get into today. One including Kyler Murray, Murray possibly to the Panthers. If that so, happens. So we're going to have to get in. We're going to have to do a whole other show on NFL Give it to me. moves. We'll probably do that again. Gonna, I'm not going to get it. Maybe. You never know. We'll get into those NFL off-season moves on another day and finish those out. But in the last segment of today's show, let's talk some NBA. It's playoff race time here on The Scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into The Scoreboard. Final 15 minutes here on WEGL 91.1 FM before myself and Bay sign off for the week. Just for the week. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back, we'll be next, back week, next week. Don't and worry. And then the week after that. Or you can... And I think the week after that. We're here forever. I mean, we're hey, on wherever you find your podcast. You can listen that, that, to us really wherever true. you want. That is true. You know, 50 years down the road, maybe maybe it'll still be up. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll have to preserve those somehow. But let's get into the NBA playoff race. We only got a few more weeks. Like, 10 days. Right? It's, it's coming to a quick close. And I also, this year, I guess I was naive in thinking this, but they played a lot of games before the All-Star break, and in previous years, it didn't seem like they had played that many games, but again, I was probably too naive to remember that, as Jack shows me our new Weagle shirts. Yes, yeah, um, so those Weagle shirts are nice. Um, but my biggest thing wanting to point, or I guess there's two things. One, the Lakers, um, outside of the playoff picture. Um, they were, they're, they're back in now, but as of yesterday, they were 11th in the West. You have to be 10th now with the play-in games, but I also had a dream last night before I get to my second point. <laughs> where is this going? LeBron wasn't on the Lakers. Well, that might happen after Le- this year. LeBron, you know where he was? Take a guess. Is he on the Hawks? He was in uh, Milwaukee. Like I was, my dream was I was sitting on my couch watching ESPN, and it was like LeBron and Giannis and the Bucks take the NBA title. <laughs> and I look at the it's like Lakers and shambles question mark as, as like the next yeah. segment up, and I'm like, whoa! But what um, wake up from that from that nightmare? Um, but that's it for Bay's dreams for today. But my, the second thing Thank I wanted you. to get into was um, the Celtics. I mean, without a doubt, Woo. the biggest headline right now in the NBA. They are fourth in the East right now, um, 47 and 30. They The reason I bring it up is they were first. Um, they were, I mean, in the middle towards the bottom of the East for the majority of the beginning of the year. They're under 500. And now they're playing like the best team in the NBA. So, I mean, when, in an in a East race that is – I mean, neck and neck and neck and neck yes, and neck. Is. And it's really unfortunate they lost uh, Robert Williams to injury because he was playing out of his mind, and now they lose him for the season. Just as literally as soon as they get that number one se- uh, number one spot, they lose him, and now they're behind. They're still. I still think they'll be all right. I don't think that that's going to be the end of it. Of course, they're on a two game losing streak, but I think just having to figure things out without them, they'll do that before the season's over. Yeah, and I mean. It, the big thing about the East, too, right now is it's it's anybody's uh, conference. I mean, look at the Cavaliers. Uh, they're only six and a half games back out of first place by the Miami Heat, who have already clinched their division. Um, I, really, the ending of the season is going to be interesting to watch with the way these teams' schedules you know, line up. Also, having Kyrie back at home for Brooklyn is huge for them. Uh, Miami has been playing well lately, despite all the stuff that went on between Spolstra and, and Jimmy Butler <laughs> yeah. last week. 
Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, my, I mean, Chicago could get back in first place for all we know. I, I, there's a lot going on. I mean, yeah, technically they could, but they could. I don't know. Nah, I don't know if they yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be a tough stretch for them. But, hey, you never know. I, I'm i looking at that top of the East, and I'm like, I don't know what team to pick to go to the finals. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you that right now either. I mean, right now I'd probably pick the Bucks just because. Defending champs. Defending Giannis. champs. Giannis. I mean, what he did against the Sixers the other night, 40 points. He had that big block that they called a goaltend that wasn't a goaltend at all. I mean, that just shows me. I mean, they're just different. I don't think that gets called a goaltend in the playoffs. I think that's just a NBA ref that probably won't be prepping in the uh, in yeah. the in the postseason, and uh, you'll get the better the better officials. Uh, not that there are very many of them, but you'll get them in the playoffs, and those kind of calls won't be made. I really like what the Sixers are doing, though, and I just think that Harden and Embiid, it's not they're not bucking heads; they're playing basketball. They're having a good time doing it. So quietly, that's that's the thing. That's exactly they the haven't thing. they haven't caused any trouble. Yep. And then give it a year though. Yeah. You look at the Nets down at eighth place, and I'm like, eh, I don't like them at all. I don't like them at all, one bit. Even though they get Kyrie back, and KD is KD, Ben Simmons won't be back. Even if they did get him back, it's like I just think that the Nets are just they need they don't they can't be an eight seed and win. They have to be a little bit higher up than that, in my opinion, to have a chance at winning. Uh, the, the Eastern Conference are making a run to the finals. So I, I think if the, if Brooklyn's an eight or seven seed, they're going to get bounced by Sixers or Bucks. Yeah. And I kind of agree with you on the front of like, right now I wouldn't put any money in on anybody. I mean, if I had to be Milwaukee. Um, well, if I'm picking, a, if I'm picking a team to win the, oh, wait, you're talking the East. Obviously. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I'm probably picking a team from the West to win the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. The Suns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, some uh, interesting graphic. I don't know if it was ESPN. I'm sure it was. But some sports account put a graphic out today. Um, a couple years ago, some of the bottom three teams um, in the West, I think it was the 12th through 14th teams, were the Suns, Grizz, and Mavs. Not in that order, I don't think. Um, but then just a couple years later, fast forward to now, the Suns are first in the West, the Grizz are second in the West, and then the Mavs are third in the West. And the Mavs, like the Celtics, Little more quietly than the Celtics are hot, yeah, just hot, hot. If you look at their like month by month calendar, it's like November, it's kind of just red and green. December, a little bit more green than red. Then it's January, February, March, just green, green, green. And Lucas was playing really well for them. Well, I think I saw that there was a meme. It was like November is like, oh no, is like he's like, oh Lucas getting rent back up, yada yada yada. It's like okay, maybe he just needs some help. And then it's like January through March. Oh my God, he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> like it's just he he's he's insane at times. And it's unfortunate he gets started so slow because he would be in contention for that scoring title if he weren't so trash in November. What's unfortunate in my eyes is if Ja Morant wasn't hurt, he'd be my MVP pick. Maybe ah, the MVP race this year is he'll get it at some point. Not I mean, but the race this year is like Jokic or Embiid. Yeah, and then maybe or, or Giannis, like which I understand, but it's like what John Morant has done, if he was not hurt, he was the most valuable player so far this year in the NBA. It's going to be more fun whenever it's like Trey and Jaw going at it. Yeah. And maybe even like Luka. Like those youngsters. This generation, yeah. I mean, there's more fun. I mean, I just think, like, no disrespect to Embiid, Giannis, or the big guys, Jokic. 
I don't know. I just find it more fun to watch Trey Young, John Morant, and Luka just no, well, and do I, things. I will say as a basketball fan, it's nice to be refreshed with a couple centers look at, looked at as an MVP candidate. Right. Because we got spoiled with the Stephs, LeBron. I mean, having the guard play, shoot, like, shooting got you the MVP. When Owitz, dominant big man, men down low. Even Giannis. That's what Giannis is known for is dominating down low. I, I, I don't mind it. It's just Jaw is more than deserving to be within that conversation in my eyes. Yeah. Shout out Todd Deere. He's listening in. He loves the NBA talk. And he says, Grizz are the most undercover team in the NBA. That happens when you're in Memphis, and it's unfortunate. They're beating a lot of the good teams right now, Todd, I will say. And that's the point. And that's the thing is, I'm not going to pick them to win the NBA championship, but if they do it, it would be awesome. I would love it so much. But we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs as they get started in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned to the scoreboard when we come back in the next few weeks. But have a great weekend. For Bay March, I'm Jacob Hillman, signing off on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. This has been the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.